I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Three, two, one. Babin, we're on. Dude, right before you went on, like a couple hours ago, I, I thought to myself, if I were to kidnap one human being, <laughs> it'd be you, bro. Do you know that? Oh, man. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because I think you are the guy that anybody that pushes content needs to have on their team. And they would just destroy because you have such, across the board, such good qualities, man, that make you creator, that make you a producer of creator, voiceover stuff, all the things. Are you aware of that at all? Or are you just like blow um, that? I, I mean, I appreciate it. I To me, it's funny because I still like, I still think of myself as the same 16 year old kid, just like trying to figure it out most of the time. Um, you know, whenever I hear stuff like that or like any accolades that come through, it's, it's always like grateful. But for me, I'm always like, I don't know. I'm just this kid who I think I kind of figured out something that worked for me. Um, and I just want to be able to do that to the, to the best of my ability forever. You know, I hear that. I hear that, but it's just, it, it comes to you, man, so effortlessly because I'm in the, I'm in the passion business. So I came to your world. Probably I have a DM from that. I sent you February, 2018. Okay. And it was, I, I looked at it right now. It was asking you, bro, do you know anybody that could help with video? And then you put me in contact with my buddy, Chris Jordan. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's a, he's a Tallahassee guy too. No. Yeah, uh, he wasn't directly in Tallahassee, but he was like an hour and a half. Jackson, he's that, he's that area. Yeah. You put me in touch yeah. with him. He's the man. He's such a talented kid. I love that guy. Dude, and the funny part of that is, because of you, he helped me out. A post on ESPN that I did Gary's book, which you did the cover. Of, you shot the picture of, right? Um, I shot the photo and I designed the You the designed the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I that Two years after that day, I'm in Gary's office. Wow, Isn't that crazy, I love man? that, man. God, that's so, so nice to hear. So that's why I, I, I go, man, I got to get Babin on, man. I got to get Babin on. Even though it's, it, it's crazy, man. Thinking of Tallahassee, what of you is in Tallahassee, man? Like now, obviously, you've moved to the West Coast. We're going to get to the whole thing. But what do you carry of Tallahassee with you? Um, That's a good question. You know, I... For for most of my life growing up in Florida and you know Tallahassee specifically, I was always on like this effort to escape because there were so many things I wanted that I didn't feel Tallahassee could give me. Um, but as I like as I've gotten older and as look as I look back, I think it taught me how to interact with people. You know, like and, and you know it too. Like being a Florida guy, like there is a lot of like you know the Southern hospitality kind of vibe and just like being able to actually maintain friendships and knowing what values uh, or what is valuable to certain people. I think that's like a big thing I've taken from. I think a lot of my sort of, um, I, it's weird to like be talking about myself like, oh, I'm so compassionate. But if, if that was a category of myself, um, I think that is the biggest thing I took from those roots in, in Tallahassee. No, but you are because I remember you doing videos of calling out, hey, any content creators, I'm going to be out shooting in New York at 7 o'clock. If you want to meet up, doing meetups, you got to be a compassionate guy to to do that, right or wrong? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, um, again, and I think maybe this, this is that thing where I don't think of myself as big as like maybe a lot of other people do, but it's like, for me, like I, I just want to surround myself with creative people 24 seven. Cause I think that's the thing that makes you better. 
you know, it's, um, it's tough now that I've, I've been solo for the last couple of years and I'm building out my own thing. It's the biggest thing I miss is that the majority of my life is spent like very much in my own head, in my own work. Um, and I don't get to surround myself with creatives as often as, as what I used to. And so that's something that I, I always want, you know, and it's like, I think, I think value can be going both ways, whether or not I have like a, a more established brand or a certain style or something. I think that a creator who's only been shooting photos for a week can teach me just as much as I can teach them in a lot of ways. You mentioned something there that's interesting, man, community and stuff like that. I, I've said that the most loneliest decision I ever made, while the most successful one, but the most lonely one is becoming Coach HP because not too many of your boys, when you grew up, went New York, now Portland, now wherever else you end up there, everybody stayed locally, you know? Yeah. Do you see a lot of that or no? Yeah, yeah. I definitely think, you know, if the the class I graduated with in high school, I think probably five to ten of us left, you know, out of class of 2000, you know? So it's, it's definitely um, weird in that sense that I – I've also just never felt attached to any place like leaving Florida. It wasn't too much stress. New York was a little bit tougher to leave. And, you know, it's only been six weeks since I left New York, but um, I think that you can, you can really make things happen anywhere. And that constant change and putting yourself outside of that comfort zone is the best way to spur growth, you know? And so I knew like from an early age, I was like, I'm getting out of here as quickly. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Let's talk. Growing up, let's talk high school. You play any sports? Nothing. Um, I, well, I was really into running, so I did cross country for a little bit. But I quickly realized that the reasons I liked running, um, whenever I put it into a competitive place, I lost all those. Like it wasn't, it wasn't an escape anymore. It was like there was a lot more pressure that came with it. Um, but I, I mean, dude, like I started making videos when I was in ninth grade, and I, I locked in pretty quickly and didn't really look around at anything else i was and dude i was dude high school was rough i i was like the nerdy kid constantly bullied like i had terrible grades some teachers didn't think i were i was going anywhere um you know i think the only reason i actually made it out is that i happened to have a video class that teacher i think was the one teacher who like saw some potential in me and she basically vouched for me my entire high school career to like get me through because i i really not to say like I didn't have anything going for me because I knew like I was building something else and a lot of people weren't going to get it. But um, yeah, high school was, I was a completely different person then. Let me talk about the bullying, bro. Yeah. I, me, I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball, man. So I failed big time, but I didn't have, my bullying was at the house. My dad was beating the shit out of me hmm. because I wasn't successful in baseball when I was suffering my whole life. But in high school, I don't know if you had this experience. My thing was reverse. I'm 6'2". I developed this physical swag. I started taking steroids probably my sophomore year. So I was a beast. I looked like a 10. But like inside, dude, my dad had me enslaved. I didn't even have a car, a TV in my room. I had zero game. Mm -hmm. So I developed this like weird identity issue, bro, that I was like out there. Except being a hater. I was yeah. never a hater and I never... I was always positive, but I always was trying to impress people. And it was just weird, man. Mm -hmm. How did you in high school deal with the bullying? How did you, how did that deal with your self-confidence? Were you like, man, don't worry. I'm going to get you guys in 20 years because I have this plan. Or were you like, bro, this shit just sucks. How did you feel? Yeah, I think um, in retrospect, I was pretty blinded to a lot of things because I just knew, like, I just had that feeling inside of me that I was like, it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. Um, and even though like, I definitely had moments of like depression and stuff like that. And I still think I deal with like a lot of insecurities in my everyday life, but I, at the end of the day, like I still know inside, like I was building something that was way bigger and just no one could understand it. And that's fine. Like they had never seen it before. And so I was the weird kid because I was the most focused on something that no one else was focused on. Like no one else was into this. I, it wasn't cool to be a content creator. Now, now it's cool. Like, if you're a photographer in school and you have like a good following on social media or something, you're, you're cool crushing guy. it. Yeah, yeah. You're the guy. That was not me <laughs> at all. Dude, you swear. Wait, 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 wait. You said that you struggle with, with, uh, 
with what with with that you fit in now confident what do you struggle with now that you said um well i think i've gotten better at it but i still struggle with um this desire to have acceptance from like certain peers and community and things like that i i sort of always feel like i'm very solo in a lot of ways which it's kind of just been my whole life i've been sort of on my own um, was you know I was an only child. My parents worked a lot, so I was always just kind of had to be very independent. But I I know that there's definitely a version of myself that wishes I had like a big huge friend group that I could go to, and that I had people I was hanging out with every single night. Because in actuality, you know, outside of like my girlfriend and like we just got a puppy, like that's that's my family now. Like that's kind of all I'm around, and I don't have like a huge group of friends and. That is something that even though like every day I'm chipping away at and it doesn't really phase me as much anymore, I still think I'm a, I have this weird attachment to that version of myself growing up in Florida who was like, fuck, I kind of just want to be the cool guy in high school. You know what I mean? Like those are still things that I, and shit, I don't know. I'll probably battle with those forever. Now it depends because I usually, I relate people that have a lot of friends to either people that are set in life. Whether that means they're set financially or they're set at, listen, I'm not going to, I'm going to be the guy that works at the corner because when you're on the come up and I still feel that you're on the come up, it's very lonely because you got the knife in the mouth and you're attacking, bro. Yeah. So while everybody else is like, hey, uh, let's go bowling Saturday night, you're like, are you crazy? I gotta go bowl. <laughs> yeah. But now, now in a relationship, it's interesting. Let's talk relationships real quick since yeah. you brought that up. The girls from New York or Portland? Uh, New York, New York. Okay, so both of you are there new now. Yeah, yeah, we both um, we've been together for like just over four years now, and uh, whenever we landed in Portland, it was the first time either of us had ever been here before. So we just packed up and went for it. Okay, she does the same thing you do. She's a she's a freelance writer. Okay, yeah. It's so interesting, man. I remember videos that you put your grandma. Yeah. How's that influence on you? I think um, my family, my, my family, we always had an interesting dynamic with my goals and ambitions because similar to, you know, the high school thing we reference, the idea that I talked to my family and was like, look, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to use a camera and my brand and I'm going to make a really good living at that just by like making cool stuff that we're going to put on the internet. My, my family couldn't wrap their head around that for a very long time because it's just what it didn't happen, right? Like this YouTube, like personal brand thing is still very new. I mean, we, we like haven't even gotten to the first minute of it yet. And so the logic that I was going to like drop out of college and just go like make it happen was bizarre. So for the longest time, we really struggled. And like my, my relationship with my family was always tough because they said, look, you can do whatever you want. You know, like I always got that line, you can do whatever you want, but there were specific ways that I had to do it. It was like, you had to go to college, you had to get good grades, you have to get an internship and then you have to get a safe job. And then once you get saved in for retirement, then you can do this. And you know, like there was structure to it. And I was like, no, I don't like that. I'm just going to go like do it on my own. So it was tough. And I wouldn't say it was until the last year or two that my family has finally been like, oh, okay, it's clicking. Like, we're not sure how he's doing it, but it's working. And so, you know, we're now getting way closer in a lot of things. And they've become a lot more open to my my lifestyle and my work and how I make a living. And, you know, putting stuff out there like publicly on the internet is like weird because it's always, you know, families are private and stuff and I'm very much like out there. Um, so it's it's been a, a long road, but we're we're on like the good side of it now. Dude, it's funny you say that because it, why is that, man? It's just that parents, I think they get worried, you know? They're like, I, Tyler's yeah. going to lose his mind. He's going to go to me. Oh my God, he's going to suffer. He's going to be so cold. It's yeah. going to be hard for him versus it being the reverse. Go yeah. and always, if you look at it, everything that's happened good to you right now. And how old are you? 25, 24? Uh, 27. I just turned 27. A baby, 27. 27. Everything that's happened to us that's good is always on the other side of failure. Mm -hmm. everything and yeah. if you don't attack you don't know and it's crazy man but now what it is is you gain the respect because they're like well he's not quitting so he yeah. might as well just accept the accept their guy it's it's tough though right because i i get it like as a parent 
as much as you want me to be happy and go for it and like live this super insane life, it's always like, there's like 51% of you is always going to just want me to be safe. And so I think in their mind, like there was the safe route to make sure that I was definitely able to like take care of myself and live a good life versus the side that no question was riskier, but had a substantially higher upside, you know? And so now I'm able to like go and, and do my thing. And I feel the same way, man. I, I get like DMs and emails so often from kids that are like, I hate school. I want to drop out. I'm just going to go do it. And I'm like, look, that's what I did. But there's a lot of factors. I don't know about you. I don't know what your work ethic is. I don't know how bad you want it. I don't know what you're willing to give up and sacrifice. Like I was like, and because I don't know that, like, I can't say that it's a good idea for you to drop out of college and go for it. Cause I just, <laughs> it'd be like, I'm like, even I just want you to be okay. You know, yeah. there's so many factors that go into it. And so I think it's like, anyone who's going after anything, you got to have some real conversations with yourself in the mirror and be like, what am I actually made out of? And, and what am I willing to give up for what I want on the other side of that failure and that sacrifice? Tyler, at your age, I was sleeping in a car. I left Miami sleeping in a car in Los Angeles. I did zero research on Los Angeles. The only thing I thought I knew was going to be an actor. And J-Lo had a TV show called South Beach. I was on it. I said three words. They canceled it after four episodes, but I got my sad card through that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go act. So I slept in a 2006, this is 2006, Toyota Corolla, bro. And I would park it in the Hollywood Hills. And I would shower and shave at the Equinox. I would sneak into the Equinox in West Hollywood. And I would do that. And when people ask me stuff now, when I speak and I do stuff, I go, okay, Raise your hand if you've slept in a car for six months for anything in a town that you don't know anybody. It's hard, man. But you said something that's, that's interesting because you don't know what people's work ethic is and how bad they were. You didn't even say what their talent is because talent probably yeah. becomes number four on the... <laughs> yeah. On the, we shouldn't even be having this conversation yeah, exactly. if you haven't addressed that, you know. <laughs> if you haven't addressed That's like out there. How many people reach out to you with stuff like that now on an average a week how many people you think um the honest answer is i don't know because i can't i you know ultimately i wish i could respond to every email and every dm but if i spent all my time that i wouldn't actually create any work probably right. um but I, I probably get like a few dozen emails a week or, or a month you know of people that just want advice or, or thoughts or things like that and i i do my best to give back to those and um, I, I'll do random phone calls or try and respond to emails and stuff because I know what that felt like. Like, you know, it, it all like stems back to the Tallahassee days. Right. And it's, I'm really stoked to um, be like having this conversation with you, even though like Miami and Tallahassee are on opposite ends of the state. My sister went to Florida state. Okay. So, so I know Tallahassee, stuff. Right, Listen, right, dude, right. but it's day and night. No, no, it's day and night. This is, we're 100%. like a banana Republic down here, bro. This is crazy. I know. I and, know. <laughs> and up there, it's like Florida state. Isn't uh? what's Auburn. the other one? What's the uh, other? No, no. FAMU. Uh, FAMU, yeah. which we would destroy in baseball. Every single time. Yeah. Florida state, FAMU, and then whatever. So it's, it is a niche thing, man, but. Hearing I mean, you, don't, don't forget about that Tallahassee Community College, though. Two oh, semesters. TC, oh, two semesters. <laughs> Miami-Dade Community College. I think we played you guys a couple times, bro. But, but, but here's the irony, man. In you going to New York, it's so crazy how one year when you, when you, hit, it, when you hit the Gary world, mm -hmm. how one year of that, and it's almost like you were like, man, this whole thing I looked up to, now I'm in that. Mm -hmm. Another year after that, you were in New York with Gary, what, four years? Was it three? Uh, just under four, yeah. Under four. Sacramosa College. After your senior year of that, you looked at the freshman version of yourself at that, and you're like, dude, come on, man. It's, it's just like crazy. Forget yeah. your skill set, just your confidence, dude. Just your confidence. Yeah. When you hit New York, bro, for the first time, mm -hmm. what did you feel? Did you feel the magic? Didn't you? Like, talk to me through that. Um, it's weird because I don't even know what happened for the first couple of years. And I, I say this a lot when I'm like talking to friends and sometimes in interviews, and I don't actually know the words to use to convey to people what I mean when I say I literally have a black spot in my memory 
for a set number of years in that early stage of New York because I was working so hard and was like so heads down that I, I, I genuinely can't remember it. If I see like a photo or video or something, I mean, oh yeah, like I remember that day happening, but I can't pull very much out of that section of my life um, because I think that I was faced with kind of this like fight or flight response whenever I was told like the day I was going on to Gary's team and it was like, all right, you have two options. You either make this happen and do whatever it takes to make this happen. And like, that's the next chapter of your life. Or you're going back to Tallahassee. Cause like, that was it. I was, was bleeding money. Like I had to figure out a way to make it work. And so I, I didn't take a lot of time to live in the magic, which sucks. And I, I, you know, as much as it, it's one of those tough things, people always ask me what it was like to live in New York and everything. And I'm like, it was great. I love New York. But I never like experienced New York. I never did any like touristy things or like went and saw the sights. Like it was just yeah, yeah, yeah. like New York was like grind mode the entire time I was there. And so it was awesome, but it was also a blur. And it was just like, put your head down. Do not look up for anything. One of my favorite posts of yours was, I don't know how you recorded this. You were, you were working at Staples. Mm -hmm. and boxes fell. Do you remember that post you did where like a year yeah. ago or two years ago and you put the music and all the stuff, man? Yep. Oh, it is fucking Babin guy, bro. This guy just has every post figured out, bro. I would run the <laughs> world if I was this dude. Just so perfectly, man. How did you record that? Was that set up? Did those boxes fall by coincidence? Did you drop that on purpose? Like, talk to me about that video, bro. You yeah. Staples. Yeah, I, uh, so I worked at Staples for like six or seven months or something like that. Um, and my job was to like, the truck would come in would like drop off these pallets that were stacked double my height. And I was just like, I was supposed to like unstack these, these pallets of, of random products and put them on the shelves. That's all I did for like hours a day. And I remember there was one time that I like walked back there. I had just clocked in and th these boxes were like tipping over and I knew that as soon as I like cut the one tag that was holding it all together, which like I had to do, they were just going to go everywhere. And so luckily, I don't know why I decided that I was going to film this in slow motion on my like iPhone three or whatever. I like just stuck it in like a, on, on a shelving unit and recorded that moment. And it was ironically just something that was like, I was going to send uh, some friends or something and be like, ah, oh, this job's so shitty. Um, but now like that video clip in particular has referenced so many times throughout uh, different videos because that's like the definition of like step one to like where I'm at now and being able to watch that whole process is super fun. Ironically, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but Staples actually just reached out to me for like a project, which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. uh, and that was like the biggest full circle moment. Um, Dude, yeah. I I love it. I love it. I when you're in Team Gary, you're also not only stuck with the the speed of being in that world, which is mm -hmm. crazy. You're stuck also. You're recording content, mm -hmm. so you're recording and then you're editing. You're recording, then you're editing. Recording, then you're editing. I remember the videos I used to skateboard around the office. Yeah, you know, and nobody there. I think I got a weekend or something, man. When I got, I've been to that office two times. I coincidentally, here's a small world. Were you there when you had to have been there when little Lou was there? Little yeah. Lou started. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Coincidentally, a dude reaches out to me on uh, Instagram that works for Vayner. I'm known kind of Babin as the baseball whisperer mm -hmm. with parents and kids and stuff like that while being the biggest failure. A dude reaches out to me. We, we meet, we help out. I help him out. I do his podcast at Vayner media. I leave, get a call. He's like, man, you should talk to this dude about baseball. Coincidentally, it was Little Lou. We started talking about baseball. Mm -hmm. I've known, before that point, I've known 11 people that have been guests on the Ask Gary V show. Like, literally guests. Like, famous people that I knew because, Babin, from LA, I went to Vegas, and I became very successful in Las Vegas as a nightclub host. Mm -hmm. So everybody came to me. Everyone's a Vegas host. And I ran a club called Hide in the Bellagio. But as I was there, I became real tight with, uh, with Little Lou talking. And I didn't know that Little Lou's dad was Gary's like, best friend. Mm -hmm. So I went to Jersey and I helped out a bunch of kids and I didn't know anybody there. And when I helped them out, at the end, Lou's dad goes, listen, Gary's my boy. I'm going to hook you up 
so he could talk to him. And I had never wanted to be one of those guys. That was, I'm sure once you're on the inside, I don't want to be one of those guys who's like, all right, dude, go do more TikToks, go do more Instagram, get out of my office. You know what <laughs> right. I'm saying? Because I always felt so bad about it. I'd never get fucked that. I'm not going to go for that. No. But I, we went and, and we got to hang out personally, and it was a tremendous thing, man. For people that are in your world, Vayner Media, and they're looking at it on the outside, it's like Yankee Stadium, bro. It's like Madison Square Garden. The vibe there, the look, the pictures on the wall. It's like everything is made for that, man. Do you miss some of that looking back at it now, thinking about the view, Hudson Yards and all that stuff? Or were you just like, bro, I'm just grinding that this shit's like fucking crazy? Um, so I think there's like two questions there. One, do I miss it? Um, no, not at all. And we can definitely talk about that and like the whole Vayner and why I left and sort of like my relationship there. In the moment, it was so cool. Like I remember when I started at Vayner, we weren't even at Hudson Yards yet. It was, we were still on this little office on 23rd street on the uh, east side of Manhattan. And so when we moved into Hudson Yards, it was two things. One, it was super exciting. We were the first business there. It was like, we had all these crazy views, floor to ceiling windows. And like, we got to be part of this whole like design process, like all the stuff that's on the walls, like that was all sort of like community based. Like we decided what frames were going to go where and things like that. That was awesome. Um, but it was also always ironic because anyone who hasn't been to Hudson Yards, like it is the biggest companies in the world are stacked in there. And I remember it's funny because I was like getting into elevators every morning with people in like full suits going to like serious meetings. And I'm in like a hoodie and ripped up jeans with my laptop and I'm about to go like sit in a corner and edit all day. And so I think um, there was something about that. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but like, as a bunch of kids, we were just like, yeah, let's go like fucking take down these big companies. And stuff. Hell yeah, and, like, man. Do it yeah. Ways, you know? So like that was probably, if anything, that's the thing I miss the most. It's like was, a fuck like, you mentality, bro. We're just yeah. taking this shit over. Yeah. Yeah. And like, just like you could like see it whenever you would like get in the elevator and people would be like judging you. Be like, why, why is this kid here? And just be like, you're going to work for me one day. Like, Yo, the, like that's like the mindset you got to have, you yep, know? Or you're going to buy a product that I create this image for. Right. Man. <laughs> when I see your powers, bro, let's start, let's go to the present real quick. When I see your powers, man, you like me right now, I grab this video, great content, whatever. Now I got to edit. I don't know what I'm doing, bro. I'm just here. Create. You can literally, I feel, this is me now looking from the outside, you could turn anything into a masterpiece. Because I feel you're like the five-tool, you know, like in baseball, they have what they call a five-tool player? Mm -hmm. Or like what LeBron is in basketball, that he just yeah. can do everything. I think you can do everything, bro. And I'm going to tell you why, and you could correct me if I'm right or wrong. Right. You can shoot it visually. You can put in the time lapses. You can put in, in life, you got to take a step backwards. And you literally put the guy walking in reverse that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You can do all these things together, man. On top of that, I think you're blessed with an exceptional voice. Like your voice and your accent, whatever it is, it is perfect for voiceover. So you can create literally whatever movie you want to create and it's successful. All humbly. And I understand it. Let's get out of the... So I'm not gonna be like, oh, I feel no, no. We're talking, yeah, yeah. we're talking now the business, right? Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that power, bro? Um, it depends on the day how much I feel it, right? There's no question. I think you know th you have those moments of like total flow, and I'm like, yeah, like I can just like make this happen. At the end of the day, like I'm still, I'm still like an artist. You know, I get in my head, I like overthink certain things. I'm like, ah. Should it be colored this way? Should it be colored that way? Is that what Should you I... overthink? Is it the coloring? Is that what you overthink? Yeah, it's it's the, the the minute details. I very rarely overthink the the mission overall. Like I always know, like I want to create something that looks like this and feels like this and like has this energy behind it. But then whenever you get into the weeds and you're like, should this cut be two frames longer or two frames shorter? Like, should the music come in now or in five seconds? Like, those are the things that I think I overthink a little bit. And those are the moments where like time really sinks in. Like, you know, I, I always get this question of people are always asking like, how do I edit faster? And I'm like, you don't, there, it's, you can't. Like it just, it's a long process. Um, 
and so those are, I think the moments where I'm like, fuck, like I always, always feel like, God, I suck. You know, like I can't figure out how to do this transition. Right. But I think as, as a whole, I very rarely am too caught up in the, in the energy I want someone to feel while they're watching a piece. If that makes sense. It makes total sense. Cause I think, yeah. you, I think you view it in how you want to present it and you allow people to view it however they want to view it. Let's talk about that process, bro. Okay. You get the idea. Okay. First of all, what type of dog did you get? <laughs> it's a, it's a little dachshund. So he's actually a tiny wiener dog, but for some reason he has the bark of a Doberman. It's insane. It's uh, always, it's always funny. Like a pizza guy comes or something and like, they think it's way more intense and he's just this little like five pound wiener dog on the other side. What did you name him? Uh, Chauncey. And it was the first street I lived on when I moved to New York and Brooklyn was Chauncey street. And I remember like getting out of the car that day and seeing that street name. And I was like, ah, oh, like, it'd be so fun to have like a dog named Chauncey one day. Like there's just nice. something about it that clicked. And literally I've wanted, I knew like I wanted a, a dachshund. I knew it had to be a boy. I knew his name was going to be Chauncey for like, since that moment, like I knew it was going to happen. And then we just, uh, tomorrow is actually our like six month anniversary since we got him. So he's, uh, he's been a handful, but, um, one of the best decisions I've ever made was like pulling the trigger and getting them. Nice, dude. I used to rescue dogs for a while. Mm -hmm. So it's uh dogs are, are amazing, man. They're amazing. It sucks when they get older, that whole thing, but yeah. enjoy them, bro. Enjoy them. Walk them in the cold. Enjoy them, bro. Enjoy I know, them. right? <laughs> the process. Yeah. I'm talking to a guy that did a Nike shoebox thing. Remember when you did that Nike video yep. with, the, with the shoes and you created that whole thing out of mm -hmm. nothing. Okay. Talk to me, the magic, bro. Let's go behind the scenes. When you approach something, how do you do the voiceover to the video? Do you write stuff down? Do you say, okay, step one, I'm going to write down what I say, and then I'm going to read it on voiceover, then I'm going to record it, or do you record it first according to the what you see in the visual? Do you then do the voiceover? Talk to me about that. Um, so if I'm doing a piece that's... Uh like voiceover heavy, it almost always starts with a script first. So I will really often, anytime I have any thought that I think might be like kind of profound, or if I'm just having one of those days, I will open up the notes app on my phone and I'll just free write like whatever comes to mind. Um, that's a lot of times the starting point of a project like that. Um, and then I, I will always record like the first version of a voiceover and start finding music and i for me a lot of times i try to uh have the voiceover the music all the sounds done and like loaded into a project before i ever even start shooting visuals for it because i think i should be able to close my eyes and listen to the video and the video actually get created in my head like Look the visual wow the visuals should just sort of like appear and then i'll use that to inspire what I actually go film. So it always starts with, with voiceover and audio first, and then I'll go shoot film. Okay. So we go voiceover, audio, music, then we get the visuals. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it'll be pieced together. Like I might only be able to like figure out what the visuals are for like one section of it. So like, I'll go do that. And then it, it'll slowly just kind of build out. And it's sort of like you're building out a puzzle piece. Like you'll like you know, you work on the edges a little bit and then you can go into the middle and then like this one random piece where you find a few things like that'll click together. Um, but I oftentimes will go through about three versions of voiceover throughout a project, uh, just dialing in like the pacing and um, sometimes like if uh, if like my voice cracks a little bit, I'll go like re redo one part of it or something. Um, but I will like, I think as you kind of picked up on, I sort of, take the voiceover element very seriously and really try and like, I think that my, my voice and like the way I say things is what sort of brings that energy into a piece. Um, I try to like talk to people through voiceover in the same way that if I was like giving advice to someone, like that's the type of approach I try to try to have with it. So um, yeah, voiceover is, uh, is usually the first and final part of, of any one project, like the piece getting it laid down and then mastering at the end. Dude, that's uh, that's. I think that's one of your separators, bro. I think that's where you really crush a lot of the competition, man. When you you mentioned music, bro, I would always look at you guys and mm -hmm. go, "Where do these guys get all this music from, man? Like, what's the thing?" And then uh, 
because of you, you were one time in an interview with a, we haven't even gotten into the Adobe years, but mm -hmm. into that one year with Adobe. And I remember you mentioned Musicbed. Mm -hmm. Do you still use that? Do you use Artlist Pro like us? What do you use for music? Uh, most of it's Musicbed. Um, I mean, I have subscriptions to every platform and I will, I'll go look at stuff on every platform, but I would say 98% of what I use comes from Musicbed, both because I really like their selection of music. I think it's like really strong, but also I just have a good relationship with that company and they've uh, done a lot to support me and they've always been like out of, like, you know, as like, I mean, I really hate the word influencer, but as I've shifted more into that realm why do you hate that word um because i i don't want to be an influencer like i want to be like lazy an, doesn't mean like artists um i i would rather be artist and creative you know like i want those to be my identifiers not that i like have to wear a t-shirt for a brand and like post that on my instagram it's just i don't know i think it's i think it's a little bit played out and i think people are attached to what they think an influencer is and so i always kind of want to like to be on my own wavelength um but you know there's a lot of brands who want to to work with me and want me to be on their thing and musicbed is one of those companies that um has always put our relationship first like they will always when i moved to portland they sent me like a whole care package of like random like housewarming stuff and for a brand nice. to like recognize something that's happening in my life and be like hey we can provide value here is something that will always make me want to go the extra mile when it comes to promoting their brand you know that makes sense dude that yeah. makes a lot of sense man yeah it sucks because if you think influencer then you think the chick with the bang energy drink and you're like that's not me and right, it's hard. Right. And, and I always look at YouTubers. And to me, listen, I was uh, at the time, I'm 41, Tyler. At the time, I was 38 when I reached two years ago when I reached out to you, 38, turning 39, mm -hmm. 38. I'm vlogging in the baseball fields of Miami, the most macho scene in the world. And here's this 38 year old, hey guys, I'm here vlogging. And the only people that kind of thought I was cool were the little kids. Yeah. Like, oh, vlogger, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I always thought of such, it was such like privilege to say you're a YouTuber or an influencer. I always like me on the way, lo looking at it from this side out yeah. there, you know, but then I get what you say when you see the, all the other, all the other things that are involved around it. You mentioned the, the, the Vayner media thing. You mentioned you wanted to talk about maybe bring up you leaving there. How was that? How hard was that? I'm sure you probably, as I look from the outside in, you're like, okay, I'm so talented. I'm crushing these videos. Now I want to crush it for myself. Is that it? Maybe like some creative boredom? Um, yeah, I think I think that was it. But more than anything, uh, I recognized where my career was going at, at VaynerMedia. And it wasn't going the direction I wanted it. In that I, I had hit a wall where I didn't think I was growing anymore. Um, it's sort of like it's... And, and I get it like from... Vayner since and, and Gary, I got really, really good at making content. So for them, like it makes the most sense for me to stay in my lane and just like have clients come in and like crush a project and pass it off and another one come in and and like, I was just I was sort of in that routine. You know? Let me ask you a question. Let's say I'm Gary right now and that's the routine. And I go, okay, Tyler, here's a half a million dollars. You stay with me, you're my guy, whatever. You leave or you stay? I'd still leave. A million. You stay for a little bit, then you leave. Probably stay for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard, bro. I know. Look, I, look, I'm I'm all for like going for it, but I'm also realistic. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't care what the brand is. If you if you come to me and you're like, hey, you gotta like press pause on this for a little bit, but it's gonna have a lot of uh a much higher outcome for you on the other. I'm like, cool. So if I wait a year, I make a million bucks, then I can insert that million bucks into my own brand a year Your from brand. now. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm so okay with like super long game. I don't need to like be the I'm Babin right now. Like I'll go back into the the shadows and behind the scenes in a heartbeat. If I think that in the long run, it helps me build what I want to build. What you want to build. Are you my vibe now? This is my vibe. So don't get upset at me. If it goes the wrong way, this is my vibe. Look at it from, from the outside. In. No. I see you as a 20, what are we? 2020. 2025, 2030, Casey Neistat. That's the yeah, vibe I yeah. think that you want to be in that world. You know, where it's, I'm not a sellout. I'm creating stuff. It, it matters. 
Is that where your heart tells you? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think you're. I don't think you're too far off. Um, there's a th there's this quote from Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi is one of my favorite musicians of all time, and he was sort of asked in an interview one time. He's like, "What what do you do? Like, what is this? What what is your your genre of music?" He's like, "No one knows what it is, but you know it when you see it." And that is, that's what I want to be. Like whenever I say I, I kind of, I don't like the word influencer or anything like that. I don't know what I'm building, but I know that I want it to be completely unique to myself. And like when you see it or you see the work, you're like, yep, Babin did that. And then that's it. Like I want to be in that league of my own. But yeah, I don't think you're, you're far off. I think, you know, Casey's one of my biggest inspirations. Um, he's, you know, I, I really, really try my hardest to not be like, I want to be that because I do so much want to be like my own thing. Um, but Casey's career and what he's built and all that is the closest um, realization to the direction I think I want my career to go. Yeah, because it does. it's not toxic. Family man was able to be in the mix, was able to be in New York. Look, there's irony here, man. Went from East Coast to West Coast, yeah. you know, redid redid the thing and stuff like that and so i get it man i get it when you started to become let's talk yourself a little bit of ego we all have egos mm -hmm. when you started to get recognized how did that feel um weird is like i think the weird. only the only answer um especially whenever it started leaking into like real life um you know, love, I mean, anytime I'm outside now, we're all wearing masks. So no one knows who I am. But like in New York, it really had gotten to a point where, I, you know, we were getting recognized on the street and people would like want selfies and things like that. And uh, that was a moment where, you know, it was shifting from like, oh, like I'm just a creative, I'm a video editor, I'm a photographer to like, oh, I actually have a personality that I have to upkeep. And it's really shifted. Um, everyday life like i imagine there's a camera on me 24 7 and that you know no matter if i'm completely by myself like someone's watching you know and i have like a reputation a reputation to uphold and um you know i want to make sure that i'm like a positive influence and things like that so it was pressure whenever you start getting recognized because you can't just dick around anymore and and there's no days off right like forever i will be followed by this idea of like you know regardless of what the actual number is like there's 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 more eyeballs on me than what there was whenever I was 20. So, you know, I have to um, just like, I really, really put a lot of thought into like how I handle myself in both public and private situations. Tyler, in your work now, are you like, man, I got to do the Gary formula of Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, or are you like, fuck that dude. I'm, nah. creating, I'm just sticking to YouTube and a little bit of the Instagram and good luck. Um, so this year has changed a lot. Um, obviously, it was a weird year. I Right now, I'm making stuff I want to make, and I'm putting it out at the cadence I feel comfortable putting it out. Maybe that answer would have been different a year ago, but this year has been the quietest I've ever been on social media. Um, but it's also been the fastest I've grown. Like I've, I've put more energy into like single videos and single photos and things like that. And I've noticed that for me, like having a, a more... Um, a bigger emphasis on spending more time to develop the quality side of things, or at least what quality is in my eyes, has had a positive impact. And I think also, like, I looked at this year a lot as um, kind of like the last vacation before it gets real crazy, because I had a really ambitious year planned at the beginning of this year, and then everything sort of came to a stop. And I looked at that as like, you know what, maybe for me, this is the universe saying, like, this isn't the just recharge a little bit which i needed right i hadn't taken a day off in five years and right. so like taking more time to like rebuild and recharge and like get ready for what is going to be an intense season to come you know your world is it intense because people start reaching out to you brands to start shoot stuff created stuff is is that your your vision yeah yeah i think um it's really starting to to come together right now and that I have a massive influx of brands that want to integrate on my YouTube channel and Instagram and things like that. And the balance is I'm still a one man show right now. So whether it's an email or a phone call or creating the content, like my hands are in that process. And so having to learn how to like be a businessman, because ultimately that's what I'm running yeah, for myself yeah. now, even though I'm the sole person, um, 
finding the balance of like running the business, creating the content and, you know, retaining some ounce of, of a personal life and sort of like screw around time. Um, that's tough. And that's what gets intense to me and like finding that balance. And it's weird. Cause it's, I mean, November and December are tough months. Like I just, there, there's more coming in than what I can even like actually maintain. And so putting, you know, systems in place and, figuring out how to automate certain things so that I can focus on what I'm good at, which is ultimately like the, the content creation side of things is the biggest thing I'm struggling with right now. And that's where I find a lot of like the intensity and stressors of my life are at. Are you going to start hiring like an assistant, like dudes that under you? Is that the move? Yeah. Yeah. Next year, I'm sure um, we'll start kind of bringing on other creatives. My, my thing right now and I think any any real business person would tell me I'm probably doing it the wrong way is I don't think I can afford to take time away from doing what I'm doing right now to get everyone up to speed. You know, it's just like I like I'm already, you know, juggling like 10 things and if I slow down to try and like build out a team at this exact moment, balls are going to start hitting the floor and I just can't afford to let that happen right now. That makes sense, dude. Let's talk tattoos. Yeah, yeah. You going to get some more? Dude, I, I cannot wait to get some more. I, uh, I I definitely, I mean, tattoos are addicting. And I, I try to only let myself do one a year. So I haven't gotten one in 2020 yet. So it's still game. I can can squeeze something in. Um, but yeah, I, I love tattoos. But they're completely personal. Like you, Yours are personal. So dude, I'm the, yeah. I got my first tattoo at the age of 30. Okay. I'm fully sleeved, both arms. And I have pieces here, 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 whatever. I like the look that you have because it's, you know, it's the personal stuff. It's mm -hmm. the shark, the word, do more, yeah. the whole thing. It's thing. I did it the opposite, bro. I go, this stuff's going to have meaning in my life later. I just got <laughs> inked up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I did, I've done I a lot of it, stuff man. in reverse, bro. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit that, you know? I'm into it. But now it's it works, man. And, the, and the, it, it's so funny, dude. I always get happy when I see... I see Justin Bieber, and then now I see the TikTok guys and all getting tattoos because I'm like, okay, it's not going to go out of style yet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, because that's when it sucks when you're like, oh, man, this thing is hard, dude. Tyler, what's your favorite type of music? Um, that's a good question. Uh, lately, I, I'm listening to a lot of like sort of this crossover between like electronic and hip hop. I've, I've always been like a hip hop head my entire life. Um, I really loved like underground rappers and, and things like that. That was sort of what I really attached to. And then, um, but the problem with like that is uh, I like listening to music when I'm editing videos and photos and stuff. So I can't really have a lot of lyrics in what I'm listening to. So that's why right now it's a lot of more like electronic, just sort of instrumental type stuff. Um, because that way, at least I can sort of have it on in the background while I'm working and it doesn't get too distracting. Favorite hip hop person. Um, so like I mentioned, I mean, if Kid Cudi was probably one of like my all time favorite artists, I, I attached to, um, his early music. Cause it's like when I was in high school, my parents were getting divorced, like all that stuff. Like it was like, I have like a weird sentimental attachment to that, those albums and him as an artist. Um, but, uh, there's a, there's a group called Jedi mind tricks out of Philly. They're just like, they've been making like underground hip hop records for the last 30 years. Um, and if I could only pick like one all time favorite sort of artist or group, it'd probably be them. Favorite song from them? Uh, I against I. I against I. Yeah. Me versus me, huh? Exactly. Isn't that what it is at the end of the day, Tyler? If we could sum this all up, it's me. Yeah. The one, the one, what is it, conflict? There was three conflicts. I learned this in English class. I don't know if you got this. Man versus man, man versus environment. Man, which is man versus nature. And the classic one is man versus himself, man. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we become our worst enemy? Dude, man, if I had the answer, I think I'd be a lot further in life. <laughs> That's dude, no, like the real think, answer. I don't think you could be that much further, dude. I think you're, if you, if you look at it, coming from where you came from, people don't understand how hard it is when you're, your parents are blue collar people. They're not, they don't go to the prestigious schools and it's not like you had this pedigree of this tremendous private school stuff. It's, so it's everything ground level, man, that you have to start. That's a big, big, big accomplishment to do, to go from Tallahassee, to go to New York, to build that thing. When you got to Adobe, mm -hmm. 
and you're in that Adobe residency. How, how did that benefit you, man? Did you learn a lot there from Adobe or did you just learn, nah, I'm good enough as it is, I'm out of here? Yeah, no, I, th there wasn't a lot of, of benefit from like a skill set level that came from Adobe. Um, I think the year with Adobe was my opportunity to see if the work I wanted to do personally had any potential. And that was a year to just like, you know, finances were taken care of and all that. So it was an opportunity. They were like, look, you use our stuff. We want to support you. Um, go for it and just like see what you can do in a year. And so I just tested everything I could think of in that year, like tons of different YouTube videos, tons of different Instagram content, a podcast. I was doing interviews. I was speaking like I was trying to like throw as much shit at the wall as I could. And then at the end of that, see what stuck. And so there wasn't, um, you know, the, the year with Adobe was very, very personal. And it was just like me working on my stuff. Um, not that, you know, Adobe didn't provide value, like just being able to like have a good relationship with the teams that are building the programs I use to make stuff right. is a massive amount of value and being able to still have those relationships. So if something breaks or I can't figure something out, like I have a number to call and be like, Hey, help me solve this. Um, is huge. And they've been huge supporters. I mean, as soon as my time with Adobe was actually up, they became one of my biggest clients, you know, and like flipped. And now we still have a, you know, I still am on calls with them every single week. Nice. People that are starting that they want to learn Adobe. I think Adobe's the, the platform to, to edit. I don't know if you agree or not, but I think mm -hmm. it, it is, man. I, I still don't use it. I've, I've dabbled into it a little bit. When I started editing my videos, everybody said they would help me, Tyler. Nobody did. I've had the worst relationship with editors, buddy. Yeah. It's just crazy, dude. And I had to take my happy, positive self to the Apple store and learn how to do iMovie. And I do all my stuff on iMovie. How do you recommend learning Adobe? Is it YouTube clips? How do you recommend that? Um, I wish I had a better answer, but I genuinely think the best way to learn the program is to spend a few hours just pressing buttons and seeing what happens. Um, Adobe, and it's it's a conversation that I have with their teams regularly, Adobe's softwares have a, a big learning curve. Um, and so it takes time just like get your get your hands dirty. But yeah, I think finding a uh, like a, a YouTube course or something like that is really valuable and then spending time just pressing buttons. One thing I will say is that in my, there's basically like five ways to do the same thing in all of Adobe softwares. Like you can use this button, but you could also use this button and this button to get the same thing done. So I always encourage people, if you're going to like use tutorials or stuff like that on YouTube, try and find like one person or one channel to like get your foundation done. Because if you bounce from different creators and different instructors and stuff, everyone does something a little bit differently. So it can be, uh, I think it can add more confusion to the learning process. That makes sense. Couple more questions, bro. Mm -hmm. You do, you've done certain videos that do tutorials. You do, this is my gear. This is my stuff. How do you pick what videos you do? Um, it's very much like whatever I'm feeling in that moment. Um, and there's also other, you know, complexities that add into it. So I have a video that goes up tomorrow on like my everyday carry, just like the phone I'm using, the wallet I'm carrying, like the, the knife, the pen, like just like my everyday things I interact with. That was a video that was super low lift. I knew I could get it done in a day. And there was a sponsor behind it that like the video had to get out. So sometimes that's a big influence is like where money's coming from and like what commitments I've made. Um, but a lot of times, at least for now, I have the flexibility of whenever I wake up in the morning, like whatever, whatever thing I think I can make the best is where I put my energy. That's smart, man. That is so smart. Tyler, I'm 41. You're 27, right? Yep. Yep. Dude, I think, and I'm telling you this, I think sky's the limit with you, bro. I really think you're going to be really, 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 really successful, man. And I'm not talking only monetarily. I'm talking about like life-wise and stuff like that, dude. What makes you happy, man? What makes you happy that you're like, you know what? This makes me happy. Because obviously, I know you took some time off for yourself and stuff like that. What now, looking at it, what makes you happy? Um... I just, I never want any aspect of my life to be controlled by someone else. 
Um, and that means that I, especially like the last few months, I don't set an alarm in the morning. I wake up whenever I want to wake up. I determine what work I want to do in the morning. Um, I very rarely have to like adjust my schedule too much to accommodate, um, you know, other meetings and things like that. For me, having that much freedom to live in the moment of what I want to do is, is I think the closest thing to like pure happiness that I can pick up on, you know, like the, the being creative and like working on projects and all that, like that all definitely gives me different levels of happiness, but being able to do it on my own terms is like the, the pinnacle of, of everything. Nice. You doing the interviews you've done with people that you do videos on them. I think you've done like three or four that I saw. Yeah, I, well, I have a series called 24 Hours With where I spend a day with people. How much fun is that for you, bro? Because it looks like you you do that spectacularly well. How much fun is that for you? How those do you are, approach that? Yeah, like those are really good because it's the perfect excuse to be really selfish and just spend time with people I look up to and want to learn from. And I get to like take that, which again is like a selfish thing of like, I just want to be around this person and see how they work and how they think. And then I get also the honor of like telling their story in the most honest and straightforward way that I can. And so th that's no question, my favorite series. It's one of the biggest things that disappointed me about this year. Obviously we have to, you know, everyone's kind of like staying further apart. So that series had to get put on pause for a while. Um, no question. That's my favorite project that I've ever worked on. If you can do one person 24 hours that you haven't done yet, who would it be? Donald Glover. Um, because I really, really respect him as, as a creative for a few different reasons. The biggest one being that, like you said, kind of the, the Gary model is you should be on 24-7 and you always need to be putting out content. You constantly need to be on the record. Just like produce and produce and produce. And... I respect that and I, I see where the value is in that. The thing I really like about Donald Glover is he's extremely private. He like goes into a cave for a year, makes something really incredible, like comes out, gives it to the world, says, this is what I made. And then he goes back away and he doesn't say anything else for another year. And I'm so interested to see what is happening behind that curtain. It like, it, it's one of those things that like keeps me up at night because everyone's so focused on showing process and he's, very, very secretive. And he's just like in the lab doing so many different things. So if I could spend 24 hours with anyone, it would be him. Dude, that's, that's awesome, man. Last two questions, bro. Let's do it. From Gary. Gary's interesting because yeah, like you said, I got, I spent with him, uh, I was supposed to have a meeting at the office with him, me, Lou, little Lou. Mm -hmm. And that thing was supposed to be, I think 15 minutes. I think it turned into like four and a half. It was funny. And now flying here, there, but I got to spend time with him the day after at a card show. His family was there. His kids was there. And I just saw a dude that was everything that you saw on the internet, bro. So nice. Every picture, every person that came up to him. It was just so patient. Like even with his kids there, he put his kids in the car. It was really, really, really the guy that you'd want to meet when you, when you do, when you see him in person, bro. What did you learn if there's anything, three things that do not drive you crazy that you learn from him, that you still maybe think of this day, you're like, man, I'm not doing this enough or he does this, I'm doing this. Okay, what is there anything? Yeah, um, I think it is remaining just like extremely true to yourself and not uh, not putting on a show for the internet that's not actually happening, right? Like I'm, I'm I try to be very picky with, what I talk about and what aspects of my life that I show. And I, I never want to show anything that is inauthentic, I guess. Um, like I'm, I will never like flex with a car that's not mine and like not be honest that like, I, like I took a picture with this car and it was lent to me by this company. And this, you know, like I just want to remain like authenticity is number one, most important thing for me. Um, because I think, you know, if Gary was in the room, he would say, as long as you maintain that for yourself, you can never be exposed and you're never going to like be stressed about someone finding you out. Right. Because like, I just, I just like, and I'm me, like, I just want to be me all the time, 
you know, it's like interviews, like stuff like this, like there's no need for me to prepare anything because I know I'm just going to be myself throughout the whole thing. And that I should be able to look back at everything I've said in this interview and like it be completely true and remained, you know, authentic to myself. Dude, it's funny you bring that up. I, it just right now hit me as I was listening to you. There was a post that you put on Instagram celebrating some kind of followers. And I'll never forget, Gary put a thing under, celebrating numbers? Haven't you learned? Didn't I teach you anything or something like that? Yeah. Which, that motherfucker, just like funny little things like that. Isn't that yeah, funny? Yeah. I remember that, yeah. That was good, bro. <laughs> Tyler, before I let you go, man, any questions for me, dude? Anything I can help you with? Well, I guess, I don't know. My, my question is, what can I do for you? Like, is there anything I can specifically do to help your your mission and what you have going on? Yeah, bro. The one thing you could do is just keep executing on your dream, bro. If you execute on your dream and you make yourself happy, that's it, man. You've made me the happiest guy in the world. You have here, if I could be of help in anything, of any way, shape, shape, or form, you just hit me up and be like, look, dude, what's up, man? I have this. I have that. This is going on. I have a... An amazing wife. I got the love of my life. I got two kids. I got a two-year-old and a two-month-year-old. Mm. So if I could be in, in baseball, I see this a lot because what started to happen to me was I started to see, so you take a, a five-year-old. So I see the trajectory of a five-year-old because I've been time in it, a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 35-year-old, a 45-year-old, a 50-year-old, 65-year-old, because I get about 1,000 DMs a week, so I see the thing of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I could kind of predict your life only because I've been around so many successful people. And now, since I have kids and I have a family, I could kind of tell, I like that move. That move, you're going to learn something from that move. This move is going to be... So just stuff like that, dude. So if I could, if you could help me is execute on your dreams, that's the best, man. Don't understand that you're blessed I'll tell you this from an outside dude that doesn't need a single thing from me, bro. You're blessed. You got a talent that obviously everybody wants a piece of. That has a lot of responsibilities, but you have that talent. So you're like the guy that plays the video game every day and you have infinity lives, buddy. <laughs> Understand like that. that, bro. Every like day that. you you enter, every day you open your eyes at whatever time the man upstairs wakes you up because you have the luxury to hit the alarm clock. Or uh, Chauncey, whoever the two wake you up first. Yeah, <laughs> usually that, him. <laughs> understand that you're playing a video game that unless you turn the gun this way, buddy, it's like, and that's it, dude. Yeah. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. This was a great, great conversation. You're the man, dude. What Last thing, that's as you brought that up. Yeah. What makes a good interview in your eyes, dude? You've done a ton of podcasts. Yeah. Some of them, I'm sure you've been like, bro, what the fuck am I doing here? And others, you might be like, oh, this is cool. What yeah. makes a good interview in your opinion, bro? I think that, you know, and the flip side where I was like, I, I didn't prepare at all for this conversation. If it was the other way around, I would have done so much homework on you or whoever I'm interviewing because I want to make sure that every question I ask in an interview or is asked to me is something that I've never answered before. And even if it's similar, like you got to put like your own sort of twist on it. I think that a lot of times, um, you know, like for me, like the worst podcast or interview I'll do is if I jump on and someone just asks me the top five, like lowest hanging fruit questions of like, what was this job like? How was it working for Adobe? You know, like these things that are just like, there's no intricacy into the depth you're getting. I think that's what makes an interview special is whenever you try and pull something unique out of that subject that they've never been asked before, or you like pick up on a little intricacy that hasn't been explored in a lot of other ways, I think that's where the magic happens. And that's what sets apart like a good interviewer from a great one. Nice. How do you pick, last question, how do you pick interviews, bro? Like how do you, you get approached now a lot and a lot of podcasts and stuff. Obviously, listen, if the big ones, big ones, those are no brainers. You're like, yeah. I like it or not or whatever, usually most of the time. How do you pick where you go on? Do you look at content at all? Do you go off vibe? How do you do it? Um, a lot of it is like vibe, intuition. And honestly, Literally, it might just be like the mood I'm in the day someone reach outs to me. 
Um, I have a bad habit. And I think, I think I even did this to you where I'll be like, look, right now it's crazy. Let's talk in six months and like see where things land. I'll do that a lot. I'll sort of push things back because that also gives you an indicator as to like who's serious and who's just going for like the quick grab. Like if I tell someone I can't do an interview now, but I can do it in six months and they're still like hit me up in six months and want to do it. I'm going to be really inclined to do that interview because they like followed up and all that stuff. Um, but it's super random. It's depending on like mood, intuition, vibe, and just like where my schedule is landing at any particular time. Dude, I like that strategy. I like the Babin strategy. Yeah, hit me up in two months. Buddy. Let's see what's <laughs> yeah. up. Let's see what's up. Babin, how do you deal with rejection, bro? Now that you brought that up, how do you deal with rejection? Um, pretty good. I, I think because I've just, whenever you're like a kid from Tallahassee and you're going for really ambitious stuff, you're going to get told no quite a bit. And I, if I like, if I lose out on a project or something like really goes wrong or like a video just totally tanks, I'll definitely like be pissed off for an hour or two, but it's always like a mindset shift of like, all right, cool. Well, that was like a no, we're getting closer to a yes. So uh, I'm sort of, I don't know, like everything other than like dying, you can recover from. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the idea that like one thing is a no, I'm not going to lose a lot of sleep over it. I love it, man. Tell people where they can find you. Babin everywhere on the internet, B-A-B-I-N, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, if I, if you DM me and I don't respond, just keep DMing me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Look <laughs> at that, buddy. Yeah, 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 There we go. There we go. All right, hold on, Bob. I'm going to say bye to you the right way. Let me end this thing. Hold on. Yep. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.